0: Hey, everybody, Eric here. It's uh, Tuesday, the 22nd of March 2022. And I am doing up a little special treat for you here. It's been a long time since I've done a regular Syncast episode. I hope you enjoyed the one recently where I interviewed my mom and her, uh, my stepdad. And uh, that was a lot of fun to do when I was in Florida uh, last summer. And it's just been a crazy school year, of course, and I have a lot of things to say about everything going on the war in Ukraine and other things, but I've been crazy busy, and it's spring break right now, but I got a horrible head cold on the first Saturday of spring break, so laissez-les bon temps rouler! However, tomorrow, Wednesday the 23rd, is the launch of my science fiction novel, Delivery to Nimbus X. And I just got done editing the audiobook version of that. So I thought I'd put out the first chapter uh, over the SYNCAST feed as a little special treat to everybody who subscribes to this podcast. I hope you like it. And if you're not interested in science fiction, you can go ahead and just give this one a miss, along with the other uh, seven episodes coming up. uh, One for each chapter, plus a few notes at the end there. And yeah, uh, if you like it, uh, I hope you'll consider maybe uh, getting a copy of the book to give to a friend, or you might get a ZPC shirt. I think I may have made a Cherry Nitrous shirt, but I can't remember to be honest, but I'll have a whole bunch of stuff in the show notes coming up, and I hope you can join us at the live event. Thank you, as always, for listening, and let me know what you think. Delivery to Nimbus X, An Adventure of the VK Obsidian by Eric S. Piotrowski, read by the author. This book is for Diane and Brian and Tim and Jay and Jacinta. I cannot thank you enough for your support on this project. Octavio Paz in El Mono Grammatico, 1974 said, in translation, learn the art of immobility in agitation of the whirlwind. Learn to stand still and be transparent, like that fixed light in the middle of the frenzied branches. This may be a program of life. Chapter 1. The Offer Engage FTL boosters, Dactyl said into his headset. He locked his pale green eyes on the monitor and grinned. Prepare for supernova warp. Shut up. Kopesh said, barely turning her head toward the navigator's console. She brushed some black hair to the side and gazed at the empty space lolling past their view screens. Use the text chat. Hang on, Dactyl said again and clicked a button on the gaming display to mute himself. We can't! he said toward the command station. It takes too long, and if I take my hands off the controls for one second, no one cares, Kopesh said. She shifted in the worn red leather seat. I don't want to hear your bulging in about that dumb game. She tapped the quantum sonar button again, and a weak glow radiated away from the obsidian. Nothing. Light years full of nothing, she thought. Dactyl took a swig of cherry nitrous and unmuted himself. I'm back, he said quietly. Sorry, I gotta keep it down. He clacked some buttons and nodded. Yeah, we've got a Zentrelli Armada coming in for... Holy crap! He jerked his head back and forward again as he let out an angry breath. Dude, he said to Chirwa, standing three inches from his chair. Don't do that! Chirwa stirred a bowl of ramen with wooden chopsticks and shook his head. You're so weird, he said. Dactyl grinned and flexed his fingers on the controls. What? You're playing a video game, Chirwa said, twirling some noodles onto his sticks. Yeah, Dactyl said, firing lasers at the enemy attack ship. Where you control a spaceship. Chirwa ate the noodles. Yeah, Dactyl fired more lasers. You're on a spaceship, Chirwa said, pushing his shoulders up. Dactyl rolled his eyes. I'm on a boring spaceship, he said, gesturing to the screen. This lets me fight raiders and blow stuff up. Chirwa gestured with a gloved hand to the navigation console. The input array was covered by a sheaf of papers scribbled with notes about the game. I assume we're still on course, he asked. Dactyl waved a hand. Yeah, yeah, he said. Gorf will let me know if anything goes wrong. He tilted his head back and spoke into the air. Won't you, Gorf? Yes, Dactyl, a drab robotic voice said from behind the walls of the Obsidian. I will always feel bad that we let him name you Gorf, Chirwa said. It's okay, the voice intoned again. The universe contains many less appealing names. Chirwa sat beside Kopesh in the empty command seat and slurped noodles. Anything good up here, he said, around the food? Kopesh shook her head slowly. Nope. "'She said, dragging out the end. "'She dipped two fingers into Chirwa's bowl "'and snagged a few noodles. "'Hey!' he chirped, "'batting at her hand with his chopsticks. "'She laughed and ate, then froze "'as the alarm klaxon began wailing. "'Crap!' she said, sitting up. "'Finally!' Dactyl said, "'shoving his gaming papers into a folder.' Alert level four, Gorf announced. Chirwa cursed and twisted a mechanism on the edge of the bowl. Slivers of wood came together to make a seal over the ramen, and he pushed it onto a spot beside the command console. The bowl stuck itself onto the metal surface, and Chirwa tucked the chopsticks into the chest pocket of his orange and black vest. Kopesh hit buttons on the console and scowled. What do we got, Gorf? she asked. Two small craft, the voice said. Their firepower is around 80% of our own. Evasion, Kopesh said. Dactyl threw his hands up. Oh, come on, he said. Can't we fight back for once in our... Shut the hell up, Kopesh said, slapping buttons and typing things into the command console. We are not risking our lives to take on alien pirates just because you're bored. She swung her head around to fire ice at Dactyl. Set a course for the nearest alpha stop. Dactyl sighed and manipulated the digital map splayed out before him. Fine, he said quietly. "'Something hit the obsidian and the room shook. "'How did they sneak up on us like that?' Kopesh asked. "'Probably riding an asteroid,' Cherwa said. "'We used to do that on the Chalgosh. "'He rotated some indicators and tapped buttons. "'Keep out of sight until you're ready to pounce.' "'But I was spamming the sonar,' Kopesh said. "'He shrugged and brought up the turret array. "'Sublight EMP distractors,' he said. "'They're getting cheap.' "'He peered into the array and tried to lock onto the attackers. "'Damn, they're fast.' "'It's about four minutes to the Alpha Stop,' Dactyl said. "'We can make that,' Kopesh said and glanced at Chirwa. "'Can we spare some juice for the boosters?' He shrugged. "'Might as well,' he said. "'I doubt I can lock em. He fired a few times but shook his head as the shots went astray. Kopesh fed energy from the turrets into the booster engines and they picked up speed. "'Alert level three, Gorf said. "'Fine,' Kopesh said and let out a breath.' She glanced at Chirwa's turret array and watched the attack ships get smaller. Okay, Dactyl said, taking a swig of cherry nitrous. Forget the excitement factor. I already did, Kopesh said, sitting back in her chair. She idly flicked the enemy distance indicator through various measurement systems. What about our pride, Dactyl asked. Isn't it worse to live on our knees than... Kopush stood up. "'Seriously,' she said, spreading her hands to the side. The green neoprene flexed, and she tensed her fingers. "'You have got to grow up!' Chirwa turned to face Dactyl. "'It's just your ego,' he said. Sun Tzu could not have been more clear. He uncovered his ramen and stirred it while he recited. "'To win 100 victories in 100 battles is not the acme of skill. "'To subdue the enemy without fighting is the acme of skill.' He smiled and ate a clump of noodles. Alert level two, Gorf said. Dactyl turned back to his game. Or, he said, maybe you two are just scared. Kopesh drew back a hand, but Chirwa pinched the cuff of her glove with his chopsticks. She glared at him, but he just shook his head. Staring at his sticks, still clenching the fabric of her glove, she opened her mouth and drew in a long, slow breath, then let it go through clenched teeth. She yanked her hand free and sank back into the chair. She jammed headbuds into her ears and tapped the screen in front of her until loud, angry industrial drums filled her brain. The Alpha Stop was dead, even for an unpopulated spiral-arm subsector. It was a testament to barely adorned utilitarian design. Gray walls of random metals, rectangular fluorescent lights bolted at regular intervals— Kopesh ran security protocols on the Obsidian and passed Chirwa as he surveyed the impact marks on the hull. I'm going to gas up, she said, and walked into the station's central chamber. In a cantina to the left, three haulers of various species, one tentacled, one amphibian, one quasi-gaseous, argued at the bar. A service droid moved furtively behind the counter, replacing plastic cups and jugs from a washing machine below. She walked toward the commodity office where a humanoid robot clerk from the Walazon network glanced up. It tapped away some bits from the double faced display and gave an awkward mechanical smile. As Kopesh neared the desk, their language beacons synced and beeped. Good day, the clerk said in a voice dripping with customer service. How may I help you? It gestured to a white metallic chair across the desk. We got diamonds, Kopesh said, sitting. The clerk tapped some buttons and a price matrix appeared on the display. Red numbers swarmed across it. Kopech sighed. Two months' salary for a tiny chip back home, she thought. Out here, we can't give away a truckload. With raised eyebrows, the clerk smiled. The current exchange rate, yeah, Kopech said, cutting it off. I can read, she sighed. Three pounds for nitrogen. The clerk tapped more buttons, and a confirmation screen appeared with the details. We will deliver 57 liters of liquid nitrogen to your vessel in Hangar Bay. Two, Kopesh said. She suddenly noticed a burly, ankleopod warehouse lifter just behind the counter. It rose to its feet and scurried into the back area. Two, the clerk confirmed. Please activate. Kopesh pulled off a glove and pushed a thumb to the screen. It beeped, and she replaced the glove and stood up. Thank you for shopping with Wallazon the clerk said. Thank you for the illuminating philosophical exchange, Kopesh said, walking away. Chirwa and Dactyl were in the bar, sitting with a floating convo cube in a spacious booth. The table was black mica rock, surrounded by a semicircle of deep blue cushions. Dactyl clutched a canister of cherry nitrous. Chirwa sipped something green out of a clear clay jug. I don't see why we can't, Dactyl said as Kopesh came into earshot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kopech said, raising her hands to the group. What are you agreeing to? That's not how this works. Dactyl gave her a look. Well, it could, he said, gesturing to himself and Chirwa. If we both vote yes. Chirwa rolled his eyes. Only if consensus breaks down. The convo cube rotated its sensors among them. I am deeply confused, it said. The VK Obsidian makes decisions based on consensus, Chirwa said, laying out a hand. If we can't reach one, it's a majority vote. That seems needlessly elongated, the Convo Cube said. Yeah, Kopesh said with a weak chuckle. Not like Joseph III. He just waves his hand and boom, four million counter revolutionaries purged. She snapped her fingers. Surely, the Convo Cube said, there are other options beyond autocracy and absolute diffusal of authority. Kopesh peered at the faint red lights pulsing through the Convo Cube. I hate these things, she thought. No face, no connection. "'What are my associates attempting to agree to?' she asked, sliding in beside Chirwa. He passed her the jug, and she drank something mild. "'I represent an interest on Nimbus X,' the Convo Cube said. Kopesh froze and slowly put the jug down. She glanced at Dactyl, who flashed a sloppy grin, then at Chirwa, who shrugged. "'I suspect you are familiar with this location?' "'We've heard of it,' Kopesh said, collapsing her hands and leaning forward. "'What's the job?' The convo cube rotated its sensors toward the bar, then sent out a sonar pulse and paused. Kopesh glanced around. Narcotics, the cube said. Coordinates for pickup will be provided upon confirmation of the vessel. You have your own farms, Kopesh said, and factories for synthetics. The convo cube jostled itself in the air. It's such a dumb gesture, Kopesh thought. I don't know which idiot programmer decided that was a shrug, but it looks like it's sneezing. These particular items are newly developed and outside the nimbus sphere of influence. Tesseract of influence, more like, Cherwa said, and drank. An amusing riposte, the cube said without mirth. Regardless, it is a shipment we cannot acquire through our standard lines of acquisition. Kopesh grunted. Why do you have to talk like that, she asked, and flung a hand up. You got a hundred languages in there, but somehow you missed normal speaker of English. "'Someone's watching the bag,' Dactyl said with a raised eyebrow, "'aren't they?' The cube paused. "'There are indications that rogue elements may be aware of the sensitive nature of this transaction.' "'Fecal fornication,' Kopesh said with a sigh. "'Why can't you just say yes?' "'A most unpleasant image,' the cube said. "'I apologize for the displeasure my verbosity has caused.' "'The red pulse along the erratic grooves of the cube shifted to a mint green.' Alas, it is beyond my own control. Whatever, Kopesh said with a dismissive gesture. How many koku are we talking about? The shipment consists of 0.7 cubic meters, which comes to... It cycled through several colors. Forty, Dactyl said and drank. 38.9 koku, the convo cube said and returned to green. We would need to dump the fertilizer first, Chirwa said, glancing at Kopesh, who was tapping a finger on the table. She nodded. Yeah... Dactyl pulled off his black cap, ran a hand through his dirty brown hair, and replaced the cap. Where's the pickup, he asked. They won't tell us, Kopesh said, until they, she rotated a hand, until we say yes and they make sure our ship is big enough. And, Chirwa said, raising a finger, commit to the internality pact. Dactyl peered at him. The what? Chirwa leaned back in the booth and shook his head, glancing up. It's a vow of silence, he said. Nobody does business with the Nimbus systems until they agree to it. He drank from the jug. It prevents you from talking about anything you do or see while working for them. Kopesh looked at the cube. Is that true? The cube dipped its top edge forward. In essence, it said, the Nimbus Internality Pact is often the first portion of a long and mutually beneficial series of exchanges between parties. Dactyl laughed. Yeah, he said, or a way to keep people silent after the drop until the assassins can snuff them out. The cube fixed its sensors on him. The Nimbus Judicial Equilibrium Forces are employed only in extreme circumstances, it said. In the past four galactic rotations... Oh, shut up, Kopech said. Why us? She gestured to the hangar. There are 300 outfits in this sector that can haul drugs for you. The cube turned olive. You are efficient and agile, it said. You evaded our Inquisition droids with ease. Dactyl hit the table and pointed at it. That was you, he said with a grin. You sent the pirates. They were not pirates, the cube said. At no point did they pose an actual threat to your vehicle. You just said our decision-making is inefficient, Chirwa said. In many systems, the cube said, outward activity and internal procedure are not identical in form or function. Kopesh leaned back in the booth. "'So,' she said, "'you're not expecting us to fight.' "'The cube shook itself back and forth. "'Combat is highly discouraged during transport,' it said. "'Those wishing to interrupt your conveyance "'will have access to weapons "'far beyond your capacity for retaliation.' "'So,' Kopesh said, "'touching a finger with her thumb for each point, "'we get in, get the stuff, get out, "'get to Nimbus, drop it off.' "'Sounds easy enough,' Dactyl said. This conveyance will be extremely dangerous, the cube said. My employer does not expect you all to live. What? Chirwa said. But those who do will receive 400 Arthurian ingots to split between them. A frozen moment landed on the table. Kopesh thought about her sister. Chirwa's mind shot back to the cadmium mines and the backfoot crew. Dactyl, as always, thought of his mother. Kopesh blinked and shook her head a little. "'We'll need a moment to discuss it,' she said. "'Of course,' the convo cube said, softening to a sky blue. "'Take your time.' "'It glanced its censers toward the hollers at the bar. "'To allay suspicion,' it said, "'I shall feign a survey for the Ranford Group "'among the patrons of this establishment.' "'It floated away. "'We're doing this,' Dactyl said, his eyes eager. "'Right?' "'Cherwa shrugged. "'I don't know,' he said.' He sat back, folded his hands in his lap, and closed his eyes. He took a slow breath in and let it out. "'What do you think, Kay?' he asked. Kopesh had her head down on the table, black hair radiating across her hands. "'Naima needs this,' she thought. "'If there's a chance this could pay off, I gotta try for her.'" "'I don't like it,' she said and sat up. "'Too risky.'" What are you talking about, Dactyl said, spreading his hands. You heard him talk about how easily we bounced on their assassin bots? Chirwa rolled his eyes. I also heard It mention that one of us is going to die. Kopesh put her head back and closed her eyes. Those goddamn machines, she thought. If I have to watch one more medbot sterilize an abscessed injection site in her arm, I'm going to kill somebody. It's too dangerous, she said, and tried to get the image of Naima out of her head strapped down on the bed, her stomach eating itself. The disgusting food, the revolting bedpans, the cold steel of the barely functional medbots. Sorry, Naima, you're just going to have to hold on. A few more fertilizer shipments and I can get you a private room at least. I vote no, she said. I vote yes three times, Dactyl said. Chirwa smiled. You only get one vote, he said. A moment passed as he stared at the table. Dactyl drained his cherry nitrous. Have either of you ever seen an Arthurian ingot, he asked, setting the canister down with a clank? Chirwa and Kopesh shook their heads. I know some people back home who could really use that money, Chirwa said. Kopesh shook her head. I'm sorry, Naima, she thought. You know, if we die, we can't help anybody. I know you're in pain. I promise to get help, and I will. She sighed. Just... Not right now. We can't trust these Nimbus scumbags anyway, she said. I'll find some other way. Even if we deliver the package, they could double-cross us. She's probably crying right now, vomiting into a filthy aluminum cylinder, waiting for me to show up with some good news. Chirwa tilted his head. They always pay their debts, he said. Whatever else people say, they're known for that at least. Kopesh put her head down again, trying to block the tears. "'I don't want to take the risk,' she said. "'Forgive me, Naima. "'Maybe later I can find something to hijack,' or... "'Her thoughts fizzled into darkness. "'She drew an angry breath and forced her face into stone and sat up. "'Let's just dump this fertilizer and find something to bring back home.' Chirwa looked at her with sad eyes. "'You could get your sister a real doctor,' he said. "'Kopesh glanced at him and cursed. "'She looked at her hands.' ''What's wrong with your sister?'' Dactyl asked. Chirwa glanced at him, closed his eyes, and shook his head slowly. Kopesh watched the tears fall onto the table. Dactyl looked around. Chirwa's eyes were still closed. He breathed. ''Yeah,'' Kopesh said finally. ''Okay.''